0: Welcome to First Class Fantasy. I'm Theo Greminger, and I am rejoined by Billy Muzio this week. Billy is back, everyone. The people get what they demand. Billy Muzio back on First Class Fantasy, and you gotta love it. Uh, last week I had Ryan Reynolds on. We did it solo, but it was, you know, I really, I really missed you, Billy. I genuinely missed you. So it was great to have you back here. Billy, you just got a chance to do a podcast with Josh Larkey and Ryan Reynolds a little bit earlier today. We've been doing like some crossover episodes with the thirty third team. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find that and what you did today? Yeah, we we just discussed
1: uh, rookie running backs, their rest of the season outlook, as well as dynasty value outlook. Um, and we started from the top, of course. Bijan went all the way down to the Jalil, McLaughlin's and the Amari Dimarcados, and so covered everyone in between, um, undrafted free agents to. Uh, the cream of the crop and discuss you know w- what that's gonna look like in, in 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 this year and next year. So um, it was a good podcast about forty minute, a little quick banger, uh, knocked it out and it's rocking and rockin rolling over on the thirty thirteen YouTube channel.
0: And these 3013 uh shows that Josh Larkey and Ryan Reynolds and a couple other co- of their content creators are hosting with Player profiler content creators, those are coming over here to Player profiler YouTube. So you know you can go watch this on thirty thirteen Twitter. You can get their podcast version to listen to Billy. But if you want to look at Billy too and Josh and these guys, you can do it right here probably tomorrow or maybe Saturday that's going to drop. But today we're really excited. Uh, Billy and I are joined by Dave Kluge uh, of Football Guys. We had a chance to podcast with Dave and Alfredo Brown this summer. We got to go on with you guys on your show, which was awesome. And then you guys came right here on First Class Fantasy. It feels like it was like last week. But Dave, it's 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 week nine. How are you doing today? And let everybody know about the work you've been putting out this season.
2: Yeah, like you said, man, it's already week nine. Crazy that like after this week, we're at the halfway point through the season. I mean, we're already basically at the halfway point of the fantasy football season. It is flying by. But yeah, just staying busy over at Football Guys. We got the Football Guys Fantasy Football Show, which is what you two head host or guested on with uh, Alfredo Brown. Still got five episodes a week coming out there, so definitely be sure to check that out and. Just want to say, love that you guys are doing that with the thirty third team. I've uh, you know, know Josh Larkey well. He lives out here in Colorado, so he's become a good real life friend of mine. Ryan Reynolds, awesome guy as well. So I don't know you guys are doing that, but I'll uh, be sure to check those episodes out. You know, bunch of people I respect. You two, Ryan and Josh, those are uh probably some some pretty fun shows.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And and Matt Kelly is going on next week with them. I think Matt's I doing wide, wide wide receivers. <laughs> I think I think, but I I got to do quarterbacks, which was awesome. which was fun. Um, but yeah, it's great. And then check out Josh came on the game plan with Matty Kiwum. Ryan came here on first class fantasy. I think Josh is scheduled to go on a top ten takeaways with Matt. So we're doing some awesome. really cool stuff with 3013 team over the next month. But Dave, yeah, you're you're like a machine with the content. You and Alfredo are recording all week long. It's it's tremendous. It's really good stuff. And you guys are very entertaining and, uh, you know, big hat tip to, to how successful that show has become. So guys, we got to quickly talk about this. If you're listening to this as a podcast, the game has already happened. So you can get a big judgment here on Dave and Billy here (laughs) and and myself, but Will Levis last week, we heard rumors galore. It's going to be Malik Willis and Will Levis splitting time. I do some tweet, funny old tweet where I'm recommending the Atlanta Falcons defense. I don't look so good with that one, uh, although the Atlanta Falcons defense is sneaky this week, guys, but that's a, we'll get to that later in the show. But Will Levis passes for four touchdown passes. Three of those touchdown passes go to DeAndre Hopkins, and three of his touchdown passes were for 30 yards or more. He had a cannon of an arm. Again, it was 19 completions, so it's not like we saw a massive, massive amount of pass attempts, but he looked poised. The arm looks big. He went for a significant amount of fab in a lot of fantasy leagues this this past, uh, you know, last night or Tuesday night, if your waivers were on Tuesday. Dave, what, what should we expect from Will Levis? Are you like really bullish on him based on the one performance or do you have some apprehension based on the
2: small sample size? No, I think he's a really good quarterback. I do. Um, and I'm pumping the brakes a little bit. You know, I'm not ready to just say, you know, he's a top 10 guy rest of season. Looking at my rankings for this week, he falls in at QB 17, you know, right behind Baker Mayfield and Jordan Love and Gardner Minshew. So probably not rushing to thrust him into my lineups just yet, especially on the road against Pittsburgh on a short week. Pretty tough matchup, but I think long term, you know, I'm pretty excited about the outlook for Will Levis. I think he was way better. Than his draft capital indicated. I still think he should have been a top five, top 10 pick in the draft. I was shocked to see him fall out of the first round. Uh, I know it's something that Cody has talked about quite a bit where, I mean, he was injured his last year in college and he never really had a true wide receiver one, and he was still putting up numbers. And he's got all the things you want to see in a modern day NFL. He's got the athleticism. He's got the big arm. He's got the poise. Now, I think we know that the ceiling is really high, that like if everything clicks for Will Levis, he can fall into that same archetype as kind of a Josh Allen, Justin Herbert type of guy. But of course, there is a shaky floor there. I don't think we're going to see him throwing for four touchdowns a week, every week. I mean, that's just unheard of, but awesome to see that he was able to get it done. What really jumped out to me, though, is that he was willing to just let it rip downfield. I mean, intended air yards per pass attempt, almost 13 yards per pass attempt. He was just letting that ball fly and adding big plays to this Tennessee Titans offense that we really haven't seen in years. I mean, he took the identity of this Titans offense and just completely flipped it on its head. So I like to see that he is able to just completely take over a game resuscitate DeAndre Hopkins. I think he's got the upside. I'm just being a little bit apprehensive this week, but man, if he can do it on a short week on the road against Pittsburgh, it's going to be wheels up for Will Levis.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think at the very least he's a locked-in super flex starter that you're excited about. Billy, your thoughts on Levis? Uh, well, I think we'll know a lot more after the Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay games. But basically, were you very surprised by this? Is this your general thoughts on Levis, Billy? Yeah, I was surprised by the four
1: touchdowns. I don't think anyone saw that coming. I I think I had projected for one and a half, so he blew that out of the water. Um, That being said, uh, I'm still kind of pumping the brakes. I I think that he's got an arm. That was never in question. It's it's more about um, them being able to protect him. It's more about his weapons, getting separation, um, and him being able to, to move the ball down the field. Pittsburgh is the uh, ninth stingiest uh, versus the quarterback position in the league in fantasy points. Um, so a little bit tougher of a matchup. The front is is th- something that's going to give him a lot of pressure. Um, if you look at what he was able to do last week, um, in, of course, we're looking at a small sample size here. We're only looking at 31 dropbacks. But other 31 dropbacks, um, he had a 44.4% completion percentage against versus or being hurried or worth pressure i should say which puts him you know it's, that's going to be closer to like quarterback 30 ish so i i do think that he's going to get a lot of pressure this week from the front of, of pittsburgh um it'll kind of be a, a truer testament to his skill and how he's able to deal with that moving forward and and maybe they will adjust the offense knowing that he's going to get more pressure and we might see a, a few more check downs but um it worked so let's see if, if they can kind of go back to the model and, and and continue the success that they had last week. But I, I have them slightly higher than Dave, not much, but I have them as QB number uh, 15 for the week. Um, and as we get more information, you know, probably debated, it's all going to be depending upon, um, you know, viable health and stuff of uh, players tonight.
2: Yeah, I mean, the most exciting thing about Will Will Levis is just that he kind of brings value back to DeAndre Hopkins and Derrick Henry, who we were really, really worried about for the rest of the season. And now we see Willis is your Levis is willing to just hyper target DeAndre Hopkins. I think this means that they're going to try to push, you know, in a division that is kind of winnable. You know, they're going to start pushing the chips in again and probably lean on Derrick Henry a little bit more. We were worried about him getting traded, phased out, whatever it may be. So I think this shot just kind of injects a little shot of life into the entire Titans offense. Billy,
0: let's stay with that. DeAndre Hopkins' two out of the last three games have been very strong for PPR. He had a 22-point game and then with Levis, 34.8. Uh, Dave, I think that the like the the eyes for D-Hops, whether it's rookie tunnel vision or just going to your first read, I love that. I love when these rookies come in and hone in on a guy. I think that they make better decisions when they're, you know, hyper-targeting someone. Billy, how excited should we be about D-Hops or is he just kind of a touchdown dependent high-end wide receiver three or do you see him moving back into like mid-wide receiver two range and about where do you have him this week i haven't high-end wide receiver two uh, very good this week pittsburgh gives up a lot to the receiver position they are tough
1: to just a quarterback but from fantasy points to wider receivers they give up uh, the 13th most, in particular to the slot. So it will depend upon where he's on the field, because they're actually pretty stingy out wide. They've only given up 71 fantasy points out wide. So we'll, we'll see tonight um, where they have Hopkins and, and and where he's successful. But it's DeAndre Hopkins. He's he's one of the best at 50-50 catch balls. Um, and if Levis is gonna just you know leave it up to him to make a play, then I have there's not many people in the league that I would put up against DeAndre Hopkins to come down the 50-50 ball. So I, I think that um, he's got every chance to succeed. And, and, and I think high-end wide receiver two this, this week is, is definitely within their own possibilities.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very interested to see that. I have a couple of DeAndre Hopkins shares that I'm really excited about now, where a couple of weeks ago it was like, ugh, I got to go back to D-Hops. But, you know, shout-out to, to Ryan Tannehill for making things so hard on all of us fantasy managers. Guys, let's stay on the other side of the ball. We're not even going to talk about the Pittsburgh uh, running back situation. We're not going to talk about the tight end situation. Uh, We'd love to see Muth back, but it's not happening. But one thing we do have is we had Deontay Johnson back with a heavily targeted game. I believe, Billy, 14 targets last week. And now you have – and George Pickens finds the end zone. Of course, the low-target man gets the touchdown. That's just kind of how the split is going. But Pickens has averaged 14.3 points per game in PPR this year. He's had 300-yard games. Now you have Deontay Johnson back. Kenny Pickett's playing. Uh, so there's, you know, that we're not gonna have to see a quarterback change. Who scores more PPR points rest of the season? Deontay Johnson or George Pickens? Start with Dave.
2: I think PPR is kind of the deciding factor here. I think in PPR I'm gonna lean towards Deontay Johnson because he's still pulling targets at just an obscene rate. And I saw a lot of jokes were kind of made about it, but I mean, last week's outing between both of these guys was just like a perfect microcosm for what to expect for the rest of the season you know deontay johnson pulling all the targets ending up in the blue 10 and george pickens on his what two three targets ends up finding the end zone on a big play i mean that's kind of what we're gonna see um you know i'm not the biggest fan of george pickens i kind of see him as like a gabe davis in a not as good offense but man like i keep betting against him and he just keeps ripping off big plays and scoring touchdowns so there's like nothing about the profile in george pickens that i like but the dude can ball and he finds ways to make big plays and find the end zone but if i had to bet on who i think is the safer option deontay johnson i mean we've been singing this song for years about like touchdown regression it's coming and it hasn't yet but i feel like it's got to at some point right like if this guy's pulling 10, 12, 14 targets a game. He's just got one of these two, three touchdown performances waiting to explode. So I'll bet on Deontay Johnson for the rest of the season. Billy, you're going to say Deontay Johnson. Am I correct? Yeah, it's,
1: I, I, Pickens has had a good run, but we've talked about this before. It, it was a necessity uh, when, when, when we've had a healthy receiving core and even adding Pat Frymer to the mix, he was sometimes third in, in the pecking order. And so um, now that we have Deontay Johnson back, it was pretty clear last week he was number two. Pickens saw a season low 13% target share last week. Um, and he was still in the field. I mean, he was running routes, 96% routes. So he's getting his cardio in Deontay Johnson, just the favored, uh, the favorite target only, you know, he, he, he saw 35% of the targets last week in week eight. So um it's, it's always clear. Deontay Johnson is a target monster. I'm going to put the caveat on as long as he is healthy, he's going to outscore, um, d uh pickens and I, I know that's kind of a cop out but uh we do have to be concerned with the soft tissue injury with you know he popped up again with with it last week and so look to be nothing but uh, i i do think that it needs to be the back of our mind
0: yeah so i'm going to say i'm maybe a little bit more bullish on pickens uh than you guys but i do think it's going to be close but i think it's going to be deontay johnson because of the continued targets i do think pickens is going to have some very good spike weeks in him, and i'm hoping that it just becomes very very consolidated and they can support both of them. It's going to be a fun game tonight. But, guys, we got to rip through this entire NFL schedule uh, after we hear a word
3: from our sponsors. Hey, we're all starting new fantasy leagues all the time. And more often than not, where do we start our fantasy leagues at Player Profiler? On Sleeper. Because it's the best. You can imagine my excitement when I saw Sleeper rolled out sleeper picks baby and game stacking is the path to positive returns with these pick'em games find that sneaky shootout and set most of the players to go over their projection for that week or you find a game going to get dragged into the mud and take every member of the passing game for less than their projections that week and if you pick up to eight that's how you 100x your payout on sleeper it's called the hail mary so if you use promo code underworld you get a 100 instant deposit match Check out sleepers terms and conditions for details. These sleeper picks are live in over 25 states. Yeah, buddy.
0: Welcome back to First Class Fantasy. I am Theo Greminger, joined by my co-host Billy Muzio and our guest this week, Dave Kluge of Football Guys. Guys, you know, it wasn't all like exciting things last week. Like we had the the, the enthusiasm and enjoyment of watching Will Levis come in there and pass for four touchdown passes. And then we get the horrible news about Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is done for the season. He is the current leader in the NFL in touchdown passes with 18, arguably playing the best football of his entire career, and his season is done. The Minnesota Vikings go and trade for Josh Dobbs from Arizona. Josh Dobbs is quarterback 19 on the season has done a couple of nice things this year and they're going with the rookie Jaron Hall this week. Our problem as fantasy managers is not the Minnesota quarterback. It's that we're relying on these Minnesota pass catching weapons. Jordan Addison has been fantastic. TJ Hawkinson has been a top five tight end for the length of the season. So Dave, let's start off with Hawkinson. What effect will a quarterback change have on TJ Hawkinson? How should we be treating
2: him? So I think Hawkinson is probably the safest of the bunch. Yeah, I obviously like have to ding him a little bit, but typically with rookies, a big body tight end who runs a short, you know, intermediate parts of the field, that's gonna be a rookie quarterback's best friend. So I'm not all that concerned about TJ Hawkinson still looking at him as a top three guy for the rest of the season. Um, you know, his ability to draw targets and where he works, you know, pretty much within three to five yards of the line of scrimmage should make uh, it a little bit easier for rookie quarterback like Jaron Hall, just kind of be that safety valve for him a little bit. I think the big fear here is that the team just starts to lean a little bit more on this one, two punch they have in the backfield. Now, Alexander Madison and Cam Akers aren't great running backs, but, They're good enough, and I think that they're going to shoulder more of the load. You know, Kirk Cousins was on pace for about 650 pass attempts. I think we see that pass rate drop quite a bit with Jaron Hall there. So uh, still looking at TJ Hawkinson as a top three tight end. Not overly concerned about him, but obviously he's not going to have the ceiling. You know, the weeks where he's catching two touchdowns, probably not going to see that with Jaron Hall. And before we get to Billy,
0: who is going to be the quarterback next week? Is this something where you anticipate Jaron Hall – Holding on to the starting line, or is it going to be right to Dobbs? Is Dobbs the safe bet, Dave?
2: I think it'll be Dobbs by week 10. I think they're trying to get him in as quickly as possible. Jaron Hall is just a, a one-week placeholder. So this week is where I'm really tempering expectations and a little bit worried. But long-term, I think Dobbs can support multiple fantasy options. You know, we know the brains are there. We know he's a sharp guy. He should pick up the playbook pretty quickly. Um, still, you know, going to lack the ceiling that they had with Kirk Cousins, but I'll be in on these guys a lot more once Dobbs is under center than I will be with Jaron Hall this week.
0: So Billy Hollywood Brown, well, let's actually stick with the tight end question because TJ Hawkinson has been such a reliable source of fantasy production. We've actually seen Josh Dobbs support the tight end position. Well, in Arizona, he's had four tight end one weeks. You had this tight end one overall week from Trey McBride. Ertz had a couple of nice weeks as well. Your thoughts on Hawkinson. Should we change anything with our approach with Hawkinson? Tight
1: end and the slot receiver are usually safe as well as the running back when it comes to inexperienced quarterbacks. Um, the They favor the dump offs, the short intermediate routes. So um, I would say that Hawkinson is on the safer side. I don't want to call him safe just because um, this is a, a massive drop off from Kirk Cousins. Um I do expect them to have a game script. That's going to favor the passing game. They're going to be playing from behind. I do agree with Dave. They're going to lean on the, on the running backs early in the game, but um, it might be a situation where they have to abandon it by the second half and then start to throw the ball more, which I think Hawkinson would be on the safer side. Um, that being said, um, the target share for the last three weeks has been outstanding. I mean, 27% three straight weeks uh, on the field. He's, he's getting the targets. He's he's producing. Um, as long as as we can just, you know, get the ball to him um, or even in his general direction, I think that he's going to be safe-ish. I, I wouldn't say he's top three moving forward like he has been, but, um, you know, top five, six still within their own possibilities.
0: Any pushback on Dave's prediction that I agree with that Dobbs is your quarterback in Minnesota starting in week 10? No,
1: I, I honestly like if he could be active this week, I think he'd be active this week. Um, it's I, I they they got him for a reason, right? They're not gonna, they didn't go out and acquire him to to let him sit behind, um, and 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 watch from the sidelines for the next four or five, six weeks. So it, he's gonna play, he's gonna be there next week, and he's the starter moving forward. And he's serviceable. It's kind of like it's kind of like a mercenary man. He just kind of gets thrown around like a rag doll around the league, and he just just gets started from time to time and place to place. That's going to be year is crazy
0: to see (laughs) the show title in the podcast. Josh Dobbs (laughs) ragdoll, you know, and, and Dobbs is quarterback 19 with, you know, way lesser weapons and worst offensive line play in Arizona than he'll have in Minnesota. But let's talk about the really important things here. We agree Hawkinson and even if Hawkinson goes down a couple of notches, he has to start for us based on the quality of the tight end position um, He's, you know, his, his floor is like tight end eight or tight end nine. I think I, and his ceiling is just staying the same. But right now you have Jordan Addison, who's all the way up to wide receiver 11 in PPR. Ha- Hollywood Brown is currently wide receiver 20. So Dobbs is able to support a, well, at least one high end player, 14 points per game about for Hollywood Brown. Should Jordan Addison stay about the same, Dave? Or do we have to downgrade him, downgrade
2: him slightly? Well, Marquise Brown was doing that on basically half the amount of touchdowns. You know, Jordan Addison's been great so far, but relying on him to score big touchdowns every single week is going to be tough. Um, so I, I, I think Jordan Addison is probably the the biggest faller in losing Kirk Cousins. Um you know, I, I, I think that he's still going to be, you know, serviceable wide receiver three. He's not somebody that you're just saying like, oh, you know, now i got to bench Jordan Addison. But, I mean, we were looking at him as kind of a wide receiver one, wide receiver two fringe guy every single week. And now I think he falls into more of the wide receiver three flex discussion. Still trying to get him in your lineup. You know, he's shown an ability to beat just about every single quarterback in the league. He's drawn tough coverage and he's done just fine with it. He's got the big play upside. So you like to see that. But I think he kind of makes for more of a high-end wide receiver three. And then once if Justin Jefferson does come back in the fold, that's when things get real shaky for Jordan Addison because then he's the third option on a Josh Dobbs-led offense. That's when things get a little scary. But I think for now you keep kind of plugging him in as a high high-end wide receiver three.
0: Billy, anything to add? With the return of Justin Jefferson imminent, how would Jordan Addison kind of shake out? Because we've seen Dobbs support two targets. Can he support a third, or is that wishful thinking?
1: Oh that's a good question. Um so, I think it's I think it's wish, I think it's wishful thinking. I I think he can on some weeks but I don't think it's going to be consistent enough. Like mm-hmm. you, you're going to see Jefferson of course be the number 1. I think you, you might see Hawkinson have a big game. The following game you might see Addison have a big game. So technically he's supporting three players. I don't think it's going to be something you want to see as a fantasy manager because you're. it's going to be like a Gabe Davis situation where you bench him one week and he has 30 points and then you're going to start him the following week. He's going to have six points and then you're going to bench him the following week. He's going to have 28 points. And so I, I agree with Dave. He's going to be a high end wide receiver three. I have him as wide receiver 27 right now. And it, you look at the, the names around him um, and it's Gabe Davis, it's T Higgins, it's Drake London, it's Chris Godwin. It's it's all these players that could potentially be a, a top 12 wide receiver in any given week. You just, don't know when it's going to happen and so yeah there's a lot of matchup uh statistics that we can use try to analyze and and try to you know slide him higher in the projections but uh it's going to break down a quarterback play ultimately and 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 them you know exposing the defense from time to time and and it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna catch him flying up the charts sometimes and other times he's gonna finish is like what is your 44
0: so it's just one of those things you have to deal with right now so guys my guy josh downs getting some love in the chat here mm-hmm. who has more points this week with jaron hall jordan addison uh or with gardner Minshew, a little Minshew magic for josh downs who scores more points this week billy muzio well he was added to the injury report is why he's in the chat right now it's no 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 <laughs> there's some love too
1: there's some there's, love too there's it's there's some love joke. there's definitely some love but i mean popping up uh late with a knee injury on a report is never a good thing to see um I like Josh Downs. Last week I had him as a top 32 receiver. It looks like he hit. Um, and so I, I think that's going to be matchup based. I, I think he's good. I think he gets enough target share, but I, I definitely think that um, um, again, that's going to be a week to week thing. And it's going to be based upon matchups and cornerbacks. And, and um, you know, it's going to be a Pittman one week. It's going to be the running backs another week. It's going to be Josh Downs, in the slot another week. So uh, it's going to be very depending upon who he's facing
0: off in the slot. It's Jordan Addison over Josh Downs for me. A hundred percent. Dave, Dave, anything to add with that one?
2: I, I'm going downs over Addison and maybe I'm uh crazy for sipping the Kool-Aid here, but Downs has been red hot. I mean, he is a uh he's a wide receiver eleven over the last four weeks. Like he's been consistently drawing targets, scoring touchdowns. So uh the fear here is in this matchup against Carolina, they are just gonna run the snot out of the ball and they aren't gonna have much of a need to pass, and it's just gonna kind of be a, a one two punch on the ground with with uh Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor, but I think I'd favor uh, Josh Downs even with the matchup ahead of Jordan Addison. I, I maybe I am, you know, getting a little too concerned about Jaron Hall, but I, I really am pretty nervous about him starting. It's 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 fantasy Stockholm syndrome, and your your co-host Alfredo Brown
0: has been the biggest Josh Downs fan yeah. since like the draft process. So it starts to wear into you, and wear into you, and wear into you, Dave. Yeah. And you're just going to go Josh Downs. It's like how I got Billy Musio he's just taking Dalton Kincaid's greatest tight end of all time, greatest tight end of all time. And the, and now we're here guys. Uh, let's stay with the Indianapolis Colts and let's take this to Billy because Billy, we saw the return of Jonathan. This has been so many narratives. So at the beginning of the season, there was no Colts running back. We liked, then we had the epiphany of Zach Moss just coming and playing the best football of his entire career. Then you had, And the Zach Moss managers were basically getting a RB1 for free off the waiver wire or they took him in like the 20th round. I mean, it was just like found money. Then you had the sadness for the Zach Moss manager when Jonathan Taylor signs and everyone just assumes, you know, great job, Zach Moss, but take your place on the bench. We can't really use you in fantasy anymore, but you're still a really, really good handcuff. But it hasn't been the case. Zach Moss has continued to produce. Right now, Zach Moss is still... Running back four on the season, and he has a 18 point week and a 14 and a half point week in two out of his last three. Billy, is Zach Moss a flex play from here on out that you can use in the RB2 spot, even with Jonathan Taylor there? Is this a situation where the Colts just don't have enough weapons and they're going to continue giving Zach Moss the ball, or is this going to continually kind of slide down and down? Where are you at? No, he, I think you have to start him every week at this yeah. point. Like, it's – it's, I, I I, don't get it.
1: Like, anyone who leaves um, Buffalo as a running back can go off and just be successful wherever else they go. Buffalo <laughs> just apparently doesn't want to use running backs. I would not – Zach Moss being RB2 in yards was not on my bingo card for 2023, and yet here we are. I continue to put him low in my rankings, and I continue to just get, you know, destroyed by him inside of the overall accuracy contest. So, I finally kind of, you know – moved him up i don't think it's high enough like he's rb20 this week and i'm kind of concerned like it should probably be like rb15 and so when we take a look at the the analytics i mean he's consistently seeing 48 50 percent of the rushing attempts on a week-to-week basis since jonathan taylor returned i mean week eight 40 percent week seven 50 percent week six 47 percent and he's consistently still involved inside of the passing game not a lot but still seeing you know Three to 5% every single week is enough to be relevant. And the, the the biggest thing, and this is the part that is like I wasn't expecting, is he is the short down distance snap guy. I mean, he's seeing mm-hmm. 71, 75% the last couple of weeks of the short down snaps. And in the two-minute period in week seven, he saw 100% of the snaps. So – jesus christ it's i don't understand it like you john taylor you finally agreed to pay him like why you agree to pay him if you know you're just going to continue to use zach moss this way let him walk and when you could have you know played hardball because you had a running back who's literally rb2 in yards right now from a gm perspective makes no sense but now you got two running backs are viable every week
0: dave do you believe in a zach moss corollary where if you bench him that's the week he's going to give 25 (laughs) points is that the fantasy (laughs) god's way of saying keep
2: zach moss in your lineup I mean, it sure feels like it, right? I mean, uh, Jonathan Taylor's first week back, I was so fired up and benched Zach Moss in a few leagues, and what I think he went for like thirty-two that week. I mean, it was just gut wrenching to and see. And Taylor but... had
0: like nothing the first week, exactly. Too. Yeah, yeah. And
2: yeah. now, now we're seeing the sliders start to move in Taylor's favor. But you know, it's not like Zach Moss has been a liability in the run game. Like I see people getting frustrated, and I understand the frustrations because we invested a lot in Jonathan Taylor, but. Zach Moss has quietly been like very, very good. I don't know if you guys buy into rushing yards over expectation. That's one of my favorite stats to kind of measure running back's efficiency. He's third best in rushing yards over expectation per attempt this year. It's Devon Achan. Brees Hall, and then Zach Moss. I mean, he has not just been taking what's given to him. He is making plays after contact. He's doing a lot with the ball this year. So, for me, I mean, uh, I'm pretty much in lockstep with you, Billy. I got him as my RB19 this week because this matchup against Carolina is just so juicy. I mean, they're giving up 31 fantasy points per game to running backs. That's second behind only Denver. So, obviously, you're starting JT. You know, the, the sliders are moving in his favor, but... Zach Moss out touched him in the red zone last week, four to one. Like he's still getting high value touches. He's still getting work in the passing game. So, yeah, you got to keep looking at Zach Moss as a kind of a high ceiling RB2. Yeah, and- Carolina's given up the most touchdowns to the running back position
1: 12
0: on the ground and two, two- game. Yeah, <laughs> 12 <laughs> on the ground and two in the air. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Uh, Zach Moss, you know, a shout out to anybody playing Dynasty in the chat. Zach Moss is only 25 years old. So, I have a theory that Zach Moss is going to be a guy. This offseason, that some NFL team is going to sign, you know, for like a Jamal Williams type deal, and mm-hmm. he's going to kind of continue going. And Shane Steichen has been singing his praises. Like, he really can't stop giving Zach Moss the ball. They have a lack of weapons, and he's been incredibly productive. Just start him. If you have Zach Moss, just start him. If you have Jonathan Taylor, just start him. The only problem is fantasy managers who have both, and then they're kind of stuck there. You don't really necessarily want to start both of them. Uh, that's a tough one, but guys, you know, one situation that's a little bit ugly on the flip side, Zach Moss was a guy you got for free and he's producing Chris Alave was a summer steamer. This is a guy that we were very high on at first class fantasy, and he had steamed up into the second round of high stakes drafts as the summer moved along being drafted basically as a wide receiver one. He's had one single game of over 19 points. Uh, with uh, 19.2 points, but that was in week one. Scott Barrett had a tweet this week about how Rashid Shaheed has more receiving yardage since week 12 of last season than Chris Olave. I had Ryan McDowell on on uh, the first episode of Dynasty Life this week, and Ryan McDowell cited a couple of stats of how Chris Olave only has two 20 point games in his entire career. So people are starting to poke holes in Olave. Dave, is Chris Olave a bounce back candidate uh, or is the 12.7 points per game that he's at currently and the wide receiver 26 that he's at about what he is? And I'll say this target share and air yards are there. The production just hasn't been your thoughts, Dave.
2: Yeah and and you took the words right out of my mouth. The target chair has been there, the Air Yard chair has been there, but doesn't this feel like oddly reminiscent? I made the joke on Twitter a few days ago like he's like the Kyle Pitts of wide receivers. Like all of the metrics are telling us buy Chris Olave, buy Chris Olave, but it just hasn't turned into production yet. There's something to be said for chemistry. I mean, Derek Carr loves Rashid Shaheed and he seemingly hits him in stride deep downfield every single time he's open. He's able to connect with Michael Thomas and he and Chris Olave just aren't on the same page. I don't know if it's option routes and you know Olave's running the wrong routes or if he just doesn't, you know, if Derek Carr can't get used to the speed, I don't know what it is, but there's something to be said for the chemistry there. They just aren't connecting so. Long-term, you know, since you mentioned Ryan McDowell and you mentioned Dynasty, long-term, I've got no concerns about Chris Olave. I think that he is a buy in Dynasty formats, but I'd be lying if I said that, you know, I expect him to just bounce back this year because we haven't really seen anything on the field that indicates that he is going to bounce back. Now, this matchup against Chicago could be that opportunity. Chicago's defense and secondary has been terrible, so maybe they can exploit it here, but... It's one of those things where until I see it, I'm kind of looking at Alave as more of a back end wide receiver, too, until we can start seeing the consistent production. Billy, Chris Alave was one of your guys. Do you have
0: optimism that this is going to be a big bounce back second half of the season or the same concerns that I have? Same concerns. Derek Carr just sucks. Like
1: that's, yeah. what, it, that's what it breaks down okay. to. It's he won't target a guy unless he has like two and a half yards of separation. Uh, and we're just not seeing the receivers get that type of separation. He's always been super conservative with who he targets. And I'm kind of pissed off myself that I missed it. Um, because uh, although Alavi is a great route runner, he's just not getting the separation that requires Derek Carr to throw the ball because Derek Carr sucks, and so that's why we're seeing the running back right now just get a ton of dump offs. We're getting like 20 plus target share from Alvin Kamara because it's the safe outlet for Derek Carr, um, and he continues to lean into it that way. Um, and we see the offense they're getting creative and how they scheme things up because they know Derek Carr's trash and they're running out Taysom Hill now in all these wildcat plays, having him throw the ball, having him run the ball. So. They're looking at you know, creative ways to get the ball down the field and move the chains. And so I have long-term concerns about Alave as long as Derek Carr is the quarterback.
0: Stay with Derek Carr. Dave, you write a really good uh, article every single week uh, called Starts and Sleepers of the Week. And you are talking about Derek Carr this week. This is a guy that I've talked about for the last couple of weeks. Like Real-life quarterback, not so good. But fantasy quarterback, he's had consecutive 300-yard passing games. Where are you at on him this week against your Chicago
2: Bears? So first of all, I want to fully agree with Billy. I think that Derek Carr does suck. Like, he's (laughs) not a good real-life quarterback. I think that they would have been better off probably just sticking with Andy Dalton. I mean, I think Andy Dalton was a better quarterback last year than Derek Carr is this year, but... This is a week where a lot of people are really scraping the barrel, trying to find a quarterback, you know, especially even in single quarterback leagues, you know, you got Jared Goff, Brock Purdy, Trevor Lawrence, Russell Wilson. These are all guys that I've been consistently ranking ahead of Derek Carr and they're all on by this week. So yeah, Chicago has given up 19 points per game to quarterbacks. That's fourth most among all defenses. So this is just a good matchup and that's really what excites me more than anything else. Like you said, 300 yards and back-to-back games as well. Um, and, you know, the last few weeks since week four, he's basically at a floor of 16 points. So he's not a liability. Like, he's not going to hurt you. I don't think you're going to see a huge ceiling from Derek Carr. But if you're one of those guys that has Goff, Purdy, Lawrence, or Russ, and you need somebody to kind of plug into your lineup this week, I think Derek Carr is at least a relatively safe guy. I've got him in as my QB9. I don't think that he's got, you know, top three upside, but I don't think that he's going to burn you in your lineup either.
1: Yeah, just real quick, rewind a little bit with Alave. Chicago gives up the third most fantasy points to the slot receiver. Chris Alave has ran a 36.7% slot rate, which is number 16 in the league. And so if he doesn't do it this week, then I have even more concerns moving forward for Alave.
0: Billy, let's let's pivot real quick because Dave made a comment. This is not a Dynasty show. This is a readraft show. But, Billy, you also play Dynasty. Do you have concerns of Chris Olave being an elite Dynasty asset, or is this a guy – who's peaked in dynasty, his value right after his first year, like your thoughts.
1: No, I think. If he just has a competent quarterback, he can even, you know, ascend further than where he was this offseason and could be a wide receiver one on a week to week basis, Uh, especially MTs, you know, not youthful anymore and and is going to continue to be phased out. It's going to open up more target share. Alvin Kamara is going to be getting phased out in the coming years. He probably got another two years, quite frankly, based on that contract, maybe maybe a year if they're lucky. But. Um, More than likely, you know, this can open up 18 to 20% target share. So this could potentially be someone like you see with like a a consistent 30 plus percent target share on a week to week basis in the coming years. And so from a dynasty perspective, I still have a lot of hope with Olave and I love him as a prospect and as a talent. I just it's 2023 quarterback situation is the only thing I'm concerned about right now.
0: We'll take one question from the chat here. Dave, Derek Carr, Sam Howell or Will Levis, who would
2: you rather start this week? Now, my rankings favor Derek Carr. He is my QB9. Sam Howell is my QB10. But we're looking at vastly different range of outcomes for these two guys. So I think really it depends on what you need. If you want a safe option where you're getting 15, 16, 17 points, I think Carr is the guy. But if you need to swing for the fences this week, you're playing against you know a loaded team, then you plug Howell in. I do have some concerns with Howell going up against New England. Um, but you know Howell, as we saw last week, his – range of outcomes is literally being the overall QB one in the week. I don't think Derek Carr has that. So kind of a tough question. I'd need to see who you're playing against and see who else is on your team. Carr is the safer option. Howell is more of the boomer bust option with a much, much higher ceiling. And Billy, am I a sicko to totally for wanting to out there, start? By the way. No, no, I
0: don't <laughs> mind it because I, this, am I like a total sicko because I want to start Sam Howell in a bunch of places, but I also want to start the new England defense in a bunch of places too. Yeah, <laughs> Cause I feel like that could be like, the range of outcomes is Sam Howell has three touchdown passes, or this is like a classic Bill Belichick game where Bill Belichick watches Sam Howell and he's like, oh, okay, he's not going to pick up this blitz pickup. And it's going to be like the classic, like three picks, six C sacks. And ghost. Yeah. And see go. So I feel like it's, it's a wide range. And and if you're playing a league with, uh, you know, where points matter, you still want to have a little exposure to Howell, even though it might burn you. Billy Carr, Howell, Levis.
1: Um, I'm, it's in that it's in that same order car how Levis. and so it's it's in my in my rankings right now it's 11 13 15 um, and so they're literally all within the top 15 I agree with you I think how it could be both scenarios how could still throw three 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 touchdowns and be sacked like 17 times but I, I do think that um, just based upon the matchups this week, New Orleans against Chicago, the over under right now is 41. Implied total uh, gives New Orleans at uh, 24 and a quarter um, with a seven and a half spread. Uh, Washington right now uh, in the New England game is a 40 over under implied total for Washington's 18 and a half. So, um, just from a statistical standpoint, Derek Carr should be the better quarterback. But it's a, to Dave's point, I'm kind of a cop out. I would not be surprised if he completely shit the bed in this, and this is another, you know, should have started howl week.
0: Guys, let's stay with uh, Dave's article because Dave, one guy you had in there was Jerome Ford. And I think people are starting to get a little bit confused about how to play this Cleveland Browns backfield. Last week you had Pierre Strong go for 82 yards. Granted, one of them was a 41-yard catch and run, but he had 82 yards. He's the healthiest back. Kareem Hunt has had moments where he's flashed and Jerome Ford for all intents and purposes has been a very strong play this year. Who are we playing Dave? Who's the back that you have the most confidence with in this Denver backfield? Are you going back to Ford? Hunt, I am.
2: I'm I'm going back to Ford and I think the, the usage has been so crazy. You know, if you just look at the, the, the box scores, might not look like Ford is the guy, but like they're using him. I I joked around on my show earlier today. I said, he's like the Mariano Rivera. Like they bring him in in the fourth quarter and he's their closer. Like you don't see him at all for the first three quarters. And then when the game's on the line, they did it last week. They did it two weeks ago against the 49ers. They're using him in this role where he kind of comes in and ices the game for him. Last week, we got to remember he was coming off a high ankle sprain. I mean, the the fact that he even suited up blew my mind. I did not expect to see Jerome Ford out there last week, but this is just a bet on the talent. I think that he is far and away the best guy here. Um, Kareem Hunt has surprised me. I think he's got a little more juice in the tank than we had realized, but this is another matchup where I just really want to start the running backs here. You know, Arizona's given up 27 and a half fantasy points per game to running backs, third most in the league behind only Carolina and Denver. Uh, What, what, you know, there is some concern because uh, Jerome Ford has seen lower than 50% of the snaps in three straight weeks. But even in that limited role, he's still averaging 15 opportunities per game. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm an idiot for sipping the Kool-Aid here. I'm just a big, big fan of Jerome Ford. He is my uh, RB17 this week. I like the matchup, and I think that he's now two weeks removed from the high ankle sprain. I think we see him fall more into that workhorse role that we had uh, envisioned when Chubb first went down. I'm starting Ford pretty much everywhere
0: I have him this week as well. Uh, I don't think it's a Kool-Aid. I think it's a it's smart process there, Dave. And I think that you know him playing Hurt last week Um, you know, really limited his production, but I think when it comes down to it, he's got that dog in him too. uh, When we expect him to miss maybe multiple weeks, and he comes back and plays right away, I love seeing that. Billy, going off
2: on a tangent here. Do you think that like these guys are playing injured as kind of a middle finger to Deshaun Watson, who like just keeps kind of nursing these injuries, like? David Njoku comes in like a day after burning his face and hands off, and he plays. Jerome Ford coming off a high ankle sprain, he plays. I almost wonder if there's something to be said for these guys like forcing themselves to play through injury because of all the drama kind of surrounding Deshaun Watson. Nothing fantasy-related there whatsoever. It's just kind of a half-baked thought that I've had in my mind for the last couple of weeks. That's deep,
0: deep, deep, deep thinking from, <laughs> from Dave Kluge here at First Class Fantasy, everyone. Billy, your thoughts on on Dave getting inside the head of the Cleveland Browns organization?
1: <laughs> i just think deshaun watson sucks and he knows that he doesn't want to get back yep. on the field he's 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 just trying to take his money and run uh back to the ford thing matchup is juicy uh, as dave mentioned with arizona um and ford the only thing that i'm hesitant on is how healthy is he because we saw last um it looks like they had every intention of trying to arrest him um all the signals to dave's point were pointing that he would sit they even activated or you brought up wilkins from the practice squad it looked like they elevated him it looked like that we were going to see him be inactive and then to our surprise he was active um but if you look at the, the first half he didn't play much in the first half most of his playing time came in the second half and um we saw that he was actually, so I think what happened was they tried to sit him and try to rest him. Then they realized they needed him in the second half. Um, they didn't really want to lean into hunt and strong um, to, to shoulder the load because we saw Jerome Ford take 100% of the two minute snaps and he saw um, the long down snaps. He saw 90% of them as well. So it's clear they trusted him the most when, when he was needed the most. Um, but he only saw 31% total of the snaps last week as well. So if we can get back to that 55, 60% snap range, we can get back to that 50% rushing attempt range. Then, I'd say, you know, to Dave, I think he said he had him 17th. I think it might be low, even against Arizona. It could be, you know, top 12, top 13, honestly. But um, we just don't know where his health is, so we have to kind of bake that in and hedge. I currently have a placeholder right now, and he's RB 24. But it's very once we get, to, you know, some finalized injury reports this week, and we get some clarity on his his injury, and um, we kind of get an insight to how much he's going to play. He could easily climb in the projections, the ranks.
2: Yeah, Dave's he's off the injury report, he's my RB 11 on the week.
1: Exactly. Yeah,
0: Dave and Billy. Uh, shout out to Daniel in the chat. He's asked this several times. He needs to know Darrell <laughs> Henderson or Jerome Ford this week, Dave.
2: Right now, I've got Henderson. I had a Ford, but like I said, you know, some of that has to do with the injury. I'd like to see him, you know, log in full practices and off the injury report. But how do you not start Darrell Henderson right now? Like Billy, I'm pretty sure Sean McVay could throw some shoulder pads on you, and you could go for 18 fantasy points in Los Angeles. I mean, he could just turn anybody into an RB one. So, I mean. Henderson's getting the work. He's fighting the end zone. I don't think you can really go wrong with either of these guys, but I think if Ford is healthy off the injury report, I would prefer Ford. If he's still logging a limited practice today and tomorrow, you know, keep a close eye on that. Then I might lean towards Henderson.
1: Yeah, I, I have him right now back to back in rankings, but yeah. again, this is this is a placeholder for Ford. So, um if we have any positive news this week from his injury, it's a it's a pretty clear start for me to take um Ford ahead of him. That being said, it's we also have to be a little concerned with Royce Freeman's involvement because he got more involved last week and he looked good. Uh, he saw fifty-two percent of the snaps versus Darrell Henderson's forty-eight percent, um, and the rushing attempt, you know, still remained a 60-40 split for the most part. But the other part was that Darrell Henderson actually saw more routes ran. I mean, sorry, Royce Freeman saw more routes ran last week than Darrell Henderson. So oh. um, I, I think that it's 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 they're going to have both these backs involved. Um, Two-minute drill, Royce Freeman was all 75% of the snaps. So I do think that Royce Freeman might be a little bit more involved than people are imagining right now. Um, it's a juicy matchup, nonetheless, versus Green Bay, Swiss cheese defense, but not as juicy as Arizona. Good call and on the
2: Rouse run with Freeman. I did not not pick that up, so it's a good call there, Billy. Thank you. I yeah, want to change
0: yeah. the narrative on on Royce Freeman, and from now on I want to refer to him as Rolls-Royce. And the Rolls-Royce <laughs> is going to fall into the end zone for back-to-back weeks. He's going to make a Lambo Lambo leap. I think Royce Freeman's like a sneaky, sneaky flex. He, I agree with Billy. I think he looks very, very good. One player who is inexplicably bad in terms of his overall output is T. Higgins. T. Higgins is wide receiver 58 on the season. Uh, he's averaging eight points per game in PPR. This is a guy who was being drafted alongside Keenan Allen, alongside DK Metcalf. I mean, it, it's it's getting really, really bad. Dave, do you have hopes for a big T. Higgins game? Joe Burrow looks like he's back uh so we have optimism at the quarterback position is buffalo this week the week you want t higgins in your lineup
2: yeah i mean he, he better be i got t higgins as my wide receiver 12 on the week which is crazy wow. given the production that he's had so far billy Ooh. i'm uh interested to see where you got him i'm <laughs> sure it's significantly lower than wide receiver 12 but this is kind of maybe me wish casting that t higgins can get it back but i mean sunday night matchup at home against the bills second highest over and under of the week and like you said, Joe Burrow's back. The Bengals are back. First four weeks, this team is averaging 12.3 points per game. Last three weeks, they're averaging 27.3. And we haven't seen much from Higgins. You know, he had that rib injury. Inactive in week five. He came back in week six and only played 54% of the snaps. It was kind of in a decoy role. Had a bye week in week seven. And then even last week, you know, he only saw two-thirds of the snaps, 67%. I got to hope that they are just kind of, keeping him on ice for when they need him and this is the game that they're going to need him you know pre-injury he was consistently seeing 86% or more of the snaps last year he was an 85 to 95% guy uh, and he was pulling 9.3 targets per game like that's the T Higgins that we know and love he's just been injured this year so I think this is a matchup where they need him to step up you know just trying to get a little narrative here Uh, T Higgins hasn't been the guy but he's been severely limited so you know, looking at his consensus ranking, people are looking at him, like, ranking him at like, the wide receiver two, wide receiver three bubble. And I think we see T. Higgins return to form as the dominant wide receiver one that we've seen in years past this week against Buffalo.
0: I love it. I, I mean, I would love to see a big T. Higgins game. I'm hoping this is a shootout. We love we love that there's I mean, this is maybe the best week of the year in terms of marquee matchups. Oh, yeah. um, so, you know, I'm getting stoked about that one. But Billy, do you share Dave's optimism for T. Higgins this week? does. I do not. No, (laughs) not not quite. Would you say wide receiver twelve? Is that is that what it
1: was?
2: Wide receiver twelve, man. I'm sipping the Kool Aid. I'm I'm ready for a T Higgins week. (laughs) Yeah, I like the bold.
1: I like the boldness because it pays off. It's gonna it's gonna pay off dividends inside the rankings. Uh, The the part that I'm concerned about is just how much, or should say, how little he's been involved. Um, It was nice to see him back in. On the field a little bit more last week. He saw eighty-two percent of the routes last week, where he had seen sub sixty percent, fifty-six and fifty-one in weeks four and six. There was the bye week five, um, and he had only seen you know twelve and sixteen percent targets those weeks. So the involvement was a little bit encouraging um that being said buffalo gives up the 13th fewest points to the wide receiver position they're pretty stingy across the board whether it's slot or out wide so um i do like the matchup though it's it's, it's potentially a shootout you know it's the second highest over under the week only behind kansas city um and so the kansas city miami game and so I, I think that it's definitely within the realm of possibilities top of the hour i talked about wide receivers being in this range of Jordan Addison that um, could potentially really hurt you in rankings that, you know, you put them in this area because they have the talent to finish as a top 12 receiver in a given week. But the situation that they're in is kind of uh, placed them here in that two, three bubble to exactly where they're at is what Dave said. It's that T Higgins, Jordan Addison, Gabe Davis range. And so this is all wide receiver, you know, 24th or 26. And so it's, it's, it's one of those things where it can.
2: It, they could easily finish ahead of this, but they could easily finish behind it as well
1: if, if if things don't go their way.
2: So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna defer to Adam Hutchison, our injury doctor over at Football Guys, and he said that you know this injury when it first happened, he said it's a four to five week injury, and he said that he expected to see him back at 100 percent by week nine. So oh, we've seen the snap share slowly kind of ramping up. Uh, the buffalo defense is banged up as well so i mean this is like i said me really wish casting that we can see it from t higgins but i think that a lot of the things you talk about you know is lack of involvement lack of production all that can really be attributed to the injury that he suffered the 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 rib injury if you look at the first three games of the season averaging over nine targets per game i really think that we still have that t higgins somewhere and just haven't seen it this year because of the injury so quentin
0: johnston last week had his best game of the season five All catches right. 50 yards we're done with quentin johnson next we're going to give we to give we're going to give dave so 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 billy billy we're going to skip you on this one but dave you have some optimism for quentin johnson uh why don't you share it you know cuz i think when when uh simmy uh, fako scored the touchdown you know i think quentin johnson you, put put you know it's dad. bad
2: when you don't can't even say the guy's name and don't Damn. i can i can't either. i mean fahoko we're, we're we're
0: fahoko there you go Fecko, I live on Long Island. People, you know, I don't need. You know, I'm going to say it how I see it. Dave, uh Quentin Johnson, talk talk his fantasy managers off of a ledge here. Jets are a tough defense. Just but push him if we're that close. Push him, push him you off the damn some, ledge. You have
2: some optimism, man. Share it I do, with us. I, do, I, I mean, first of all, my optimism is that I'm ranking him as wide receiver 44, which is still way 40 up, spots up, too high. Uh, yeah, exactly, and I and I get it. I, I feel right now, you know. I'm I'm no stranger to the player profiler stance on Quinton Johnson, and I know everyone in the chat is going to start throwing their tomatoes at me, but hear me out. First of all, I think you got to go deep when you start looking at flexes this week because there's a lot of really, really good players on by Ra Debo, Ayuk, Sutton, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, and then you start looking at running backs. You know, if you're in a flex position, Christian McCaffrey, Travis Etienne, Javante, Gibbs, Montgomery. So I think you got to start getting a little creative with the flex here. And last week we saw season high in targets, receptions, yards, snap share. Everything started trending up for Quentin Johnson. But what I like more than anything is more than just seeing, you know, increased involvement is that they drastically changed how he was involved. You know, they drafted this guy and I think they just looked at the measurables and the size and they said, well, this is our new Mike Williams. And they tried using him in that role. And Mike Williams is a downfield guy, a contested catch guy, that's not what Quinton, Quinton Johnson is whatsoever. If you look at him at TCU, he was catching screens, he was catching uh, slants, and he was getting yards after the catch. And last week, we saw the second lowest ADOT of the season. They were feeding him these short touches and letting him do things after the catch. And sure enough, he had the most yards after the catch of the season. So I'm hopeful. That this goes against everything Kellen Moore does. Kellen Moore likes to get his receivers deep downfield, stretch defenses vertically. But I'm hopeful that maybe somebody got in Kellen Moore's ear and said, listen, we drafted this guy in the first round. You're not tailoring to his skill set right now. Let's get the ball in his hands near the line of scrimmage and see what he can do after the catch. So again, I think this is more of a high ceiling play. Don't be surprised if Quentin Johnson gives you zero points, but this could be one of those opportunities where they feed him balls, let him do things after the catch and we could finally see that breakout performance from QJ.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I'm I'm going to stay I'm going to stay somewhere between you two guys on this one. Like I'm not quite as optimistic as Dave, but he did look look pretty good last week at times. So I'm going to say that I have a little bit of optimism for QJ rest of season. Um I mean, we got to maintain hope, don't we Dave?
2: I mean, l- listen, I wasn't a huge fan of him, but I was a fan of how they used him last week. So, again, getting super. They deep had to, here. though. I mean, like, yeah. you had everyone was hurt. Yeah,
1: yeah everyone was banged hurt. up. You have Palmer I get it. banged up. And he still couldn't produce. And so, Quentin John, uh, the, the biggest thing with Quentin Johnson, the reason why I didn't like him is he just couldn't separate. And right. we're even seeing that now at the NFL level where he's got a 1.2 target separation, wide receiver 50 on average. He's only won 27 routes all season long. And it's just uh, even in that's bad, (laughs) even in a situation of dire need, he wasn't able to put his name on the map to where it's going to matter moving forward. Now it depends on how banged up Palmer is again. Right. Um, And so let's watch that injury report and watch what everything's going on. But I just don't see a scenario where Quentin Johnson is going to have long term success, at least in 2023,
0: As long as they have other options on the field. To me, it's pretty simple. He's a, he's a yak guy and they're not really giving him opportunities for yak. So it's a stylistic misfit. Um, You know, they could have gone in many different directions. If it would have just been Jordan Addison, you you know, instead of Quentin Johnson, this Chargers offense would just be supercharged. Uh, Guys, we have one question in the chat here. Palmer didn't practice today. Would you stash Quentin Johnson over pop Douglas or Jahan Dotson and Pop Douglas is a guy that we're very, very bullish on. But let's take us for a for a this week situation. Quentin Johnson, Pop Douglas, or Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel's a little banged up. Start with Billy Muzio on this. Just this week or let's take it to let's take it for this week and rest of season. It's Quentin
1: Johnson's office list altogether for me. Okay, like he's wide receiver 66 in my rankings this week. Oh. Um if if Palmer doesn't play, then that of course is subject to change. But as of today. I'm, I'm projecting Palmer to play. Um, Demario Douglas steps into a a major workload now that we have Kendrick Bourne, you know, lost to the season with with injury. Uh, Douglas inside my projections right now comes in as wide receiver 39, which is just Ooh. behind Rasheed Rice. Um, I have him ahead of you know, Dubbs, Palmer right now, Marquise Brown. Um, so there is um, a lot of uh, a, a lot of a lot to look forward to. Demario Douglas. Um, this pie just got consolidated, and the other people who are competing to eat this pie right now is Juju Smith-Schuster and Devontae Parker. It's not really anything that's going to be uh, giving hesitation towards the receiving core. I would expect them to run a shit ton of twelve personnel to have you know both tight ends on the field. Um, but I still think that tomorrow Douglas probably slides into that number one wide receiver role now. Tomorrow Douglas Parker is my is banged guy.
2: up, so we got to take a look at that. If, if, if yep. Devontae Parker can't play this week, yeah, wheels up for for Douglas.
0: And Douglas also gets those manufactured rushing attempts every single game, Billy. So yeah, they're trying to get him the ball. And let's not forget who they're
1: facing this week either. I mean, Washington yeah. couldn't stop me running around, and I'm 255 pounds. And so <laughs> they've given up the second most fantasy points to the wide receiver position, only behind—I mean, to the, yeah, to the wide receiver position, only behind Philadelphia. And it's been consistently out wide and in the slot, both above 160 fantasy points. So Washington can't stop. Anybody in the receiving core, I think Demar Douglas is set to have a big week. So six here's out of the thing with
2: Washington is they've been getting bullied by the big-bodied physical receivers, and that's not what Demario Douglas is. So I don't know. I, I totally get what you're selling with Demario Douglas. I'm tempering expectations a little bit. Um, it's easy on paper to say that all the targets are gonna go his way. If Devontae Parker is active this week, he's actually the Patriots receiver that I prefer. But out of the guys that we talked about here, Am I crazy for leaning Dotson? Like even after I was just that's, saying Quentin Johnson, question. Dotson is the guy that I favor in my rankings this week, and doesn't feel good because we've been burned by him a lot. But you know they finally made a concerted effort to get him the ball last week, and Dotson looked like the explosive playmaker we saw last year. So out of Pop Douglas, Quentin Johnson, and Jahan Dotson, I'm going to favor Dotson out of that bunch. Yeah, I'm
0: I'm excited about I'm excited about Pop Douglas. Really excited about him. He's the guy I had very high up in my waiver wire. Colin but you make a good point on Jahan Dotson I think that hey you know Dotson was incredibly disappointing but he looked very good last week against Philadelphia so a lot of season left on that one guys uh Devin Singletary your thoughts on him Billy if Damian Pierce misses this has been a situation where it's been kind of a split Pierce has really struggled in terms of his efficiency now he's banged up is this the window for Devin Singletary to maybe be a low end uh, running back too so on the fantasy pros podcast
1: that I do um, with Pat Fitzmorris and, and Tara, uh, we've talked about this kind of change to the guard inside Houston per se between Damon Pierce and Devin Singletary that started in roughly around week six, um, week six, Singletary outsnapped Damon Pierce 52% to 35%. Um, the rushing attempt uh, percentage was a damn near even split at 43 to 40, um, 43% in Damon Pierce's side. But last week, Um, We continue to see more and more of this kind of trajectory to where 43% snaps for Pierce, 41% snaps for Devin Singletary Um, routes, um, 33% for Devin Singletary versus 26% for Damon Pierce, who has not had a target in two weeks, 0% target share for weeks six and eight uh, on both sides of their buy, where Singletary has seen um, 8% in week six and 10% and, and, and week eight. So I think Devin Singletary is the back that I'd want to own moving forward right now, especially now that Pierce is banged up. He already wasn't performing. Um, I think they're going to lean more, more into Singletary. And we, we can see clearly based upon, you know, the, the stats and the leaks I just read off that he's the, the clear favorite inside of the passing game. Um, and if they're trailing from behind, so I'm going to want the passing down back in an offense that is, is not really moving the ball in the ground. And so Singletary it is for me over, over Pierce. And He's also outtouching out- him in the red zone,
2: not just the passing game. Singletary's outtouching him in the red zone over the last few weeks, too. I mean, Damian Pierce looking like he might just be completely dead. We've got a few guys over at Football Guys that are just recommending him as a drop. You know, we always talk about, like, the grenade drops, you know, the guys that are just roster cloggers. Somebody's going to splash a bunch of fab on them, and they're just going to waste away on their team. That's what Damian Pierce is looking like right now. You're never putting him in your lineup. You don't want him on your bench. Just drop him and let him be somebody else's headache.
0: Nothing better than a good sabotage drop to really yep. shake up and make somebody use that fab. I love it. Um, I like the grenade drop uh, term. I've always, you know, <laughs> gone with the sabotage. Grenades even even more effective. Uh, your your term is now our term. Dave. <laughs> we're taking that over here at Player Profiler, guys. Uh, we're hit, we've hit an hour, but we're gonna keep going because we got to talk about these really big time games. And guys, the chat is lit. If you're in the chat, please hit the like button. Um, it helps us out here. Dave and Billy, we, have, we talked a little bit about Buffalo and Cincinnati, and that game is very, very good, but it doesn't really register in terms of the big two. And if you want to hear a lot about that Buffalo-Cincinnati game, tomorrow on press coverage I'm going to have Mike Shope, who's probably the, the best Bills expert in the entire country, as well as Adam Krautwurst. Both the guys from the deep end are going to be joining me at 1130 tomorrow. We're going to talk a lot about that Buffalo-Bills team and that Cincinnati matchup. But let's focus in on Dallas-Philadelphia first. Dallas plays Philadelphia. This is a huge tilting matchup that's going to have big ramifications for the NFC. Dave, who wins the game and who is the fantasy MVP?
2: Uh, I think Philly wins the game. Uh, You know, there's some concerns. Jalen Hurts has not looked right this year. It's kind of funny how he keeps downplaying this knee injury as he's like limping around the field and slow to get up and wearing a brace. And he's like, no, I'm fine. Knee, Knee is a okay. Like he doesn't look like himself. But, man, seeing A.J. Brown finally put it all together. We saw it in glimpses last year. We obviously saw little flashes in Tennessee, but him finally looking like one of the best wide receivers in the league, doing it week in and week out. Uh, I think that they are just better on both sides of the ball, better offense, better defense. Um, I, I'm going with Philadelphia here, and fantasy MVP is going to be a chalky one, but I'm going to A.J. Brown. I think he keeps that 125-yard streak alive. I think he finds the end zone again. I mean, he has just been unstoppable every team right now is drawing it up you know we need to stop aj brown and he just keeps going out consistently and beating them he can do things after the catch he can make contested catches he can get open deep there isn't anything that aj brown can't do what tyree Hill is doing this season unbelievable you know no disrespect to him but i think what aj brown is doing in a different environment is almost just as impressive
0: and aj brown has outscored tyree Hill since week three one thing to keep in mind as the season moves along could be the league winner billy Fantasy MVP and who wins the game. I'm gonna go upset here. I'm gonna pick Dallas to win the game. Um
1: Philly just Philly hasn't looked right to me. Um, no. you know, much like the my Niners haven't looked right the last few weeks. I even think during the the first you know five weeks where, where Philly was undefeated, um, they just they look beatable. Um their defense has not been the defense that we were expecting either. Um they're actually pretty bad this year, quite frankly, in defense. They're giving up the most to receivers. They've um given up the fourth most to, to quarterbacks. Um, and so you look across the, across the way in Dallas has given up the second fewest to the wide receiver position. They've given up the, you know, bottom, uh, the seventh fewest to the running back position. They've given up the third fewest to the quarterback position. I think this is going to be a Testament um, for Philly to uh, kind of a, a real face off against the defense. It's going to give them real trouble. And it's, it's always with these inner division, interconference games. It's it's, it's anyone's game. And I think that it's going to break down to a defense up front. And I think Dallas has a better defense.
0: So I'm going to go with Philly and I'm going to say, I really would love to go with Dave's prediction of AJ Brown. That's been like my guy, um, you know, I write about him every single week in my Monday column. The guy's been unbelievable. But I will say Devonta Smith tore up this Dallas secondary last mm-hmm. year, had his two touchdown game. I'm going to say that it's actually going to be a Devonta Smith game. I think Devonta Smith scores twice. I think A.J. Brown goes nuts. And I think Philly beats Dallas. And I think they do it by a touchdown if anybody likes uh, to participate in uh, in in a little uh, side action. Let's take it to the. You big can game. put the, the line you're right,
1: man. I'm sitting like You can like put the 18% line on Smith. You
2: absolutely <laughs> you can, actually,
1: can. You can actually set that line, Theo, on bet openly and open it up for people to take it. I love it, uh, I'll Billy. Take that bet.
0: Billy, Do it right now.
1: No, no, no. We got <laughs> we
0: got enough action, Billy. We got we got enough action going on. Uh, Touchdown! I'll take that seven point spread all day. So you know, like, cool the Jets <laughs> here. That's just you know, that's for the content, guys. Let's take this. Let's take this to the game of the week though, because I would say that. In terms of enthusiasm for a game, even though it's a Dallas-Philly game, that's number two because you have the huge AFC matchup, 9.30 in the morning on the East Coast. Billy's going to be rolling out of bed, rubbing his eyes, and turning the TV on (laughs) on the West Coast and watching a little bit of Tuatunga-Vailoa and the Miami Dolphins against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. This game is lit. This game has a plus 50-point total. This is the game for fantasy football right now. We need a high-scoring game. We need to get the Sunday off started off right, Dave. Who wins the game and who is the fantasy MVP?
2: That's a tough question, man. These overseas games are so hard to predict and honestly, I'm kind of pissed that the NFL put this game in Germany. Like this could be one of the best matchups of the year and my Biggest fear is that, as we've seen, you know, year after year, when these teams have to travel, you know, the the jet lag, the travel time, whatever it is, like these offenses usually aren't clicking, and that's my fear is that we get robbed of what should be an amazing game because these guys are tired, you know, they're out slamming steins of beer the night before. Who knows? But you know, that, that, that's my fear. Got to go with Kansas City though. Um, you know, they know how to step up in big games. They've done it repeatedly. I I, I can't imagine that they it feels like they have so much more to play for after that embarrassing loss to Denver last week. And and don't get me wrong. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has not looked right. The defense has been be- very beatable. Miami is looking like maybe the best offense we've seen in the last 15 or 20 years. But I think we've seen Kansas city win these big games over the last five, six years. We haven't really seen it for Miami yet. This game has huge implications, especially for Kansas city to get back on track. So diving right down narrative street here no data to back it up but i think that we see kansas city take over in this one and
0: billy muzio give us the winner and the fantasy MVP.
1: go miami they're hot as hell right now it's gonna be hard, hard to stop them um and I just think that as good as Patrick Mahomes is, the rest of his weapons has kind of um, left a lot for his shoulders to burden moving forward. Fantasy MVP, uh, I'm going to say it's it's going to be Tyreek. I mean, this is kind of the cop out, but it's it's every week you can put him in the in the competition.
0: Yeah, that's going to be uh, my pick as well. You've seen the Buffalo game and the Philadelphia game, the two like big Miami games where they had a chance to make a statement against a, a top notch team in a Super Bowl contender. They have fallen flat this week. They get the win. It's a two and a half point spread, so it's looking like a close one anyway. I think Miami wins the game by about six points, and I think that the MVP is going to be Tyreek Hill in his revenge game. You know, I think we'll look back in time and say, how could you know Tyreek Hill ever not just be a career chief? I mean, it could have been a, a big changing tide for for this Kansas City offense. You know, we talk about the lack of weapons. That weapon was there, Billy, and now he's over. Uh, on the other side and i think miami gets the win dave you were super generous with your time great takes the chat big shout out to you guys you guys were very active today dave let everybody know where they can find your work and what
2: you have coming out yeah you can find me on the football guys fantasy football show five days a week staying busy on youtube podcast platforms all that stuff but really just want to thank you guys for having me on this is a Love coming on this show with you guys. This is some of the best football conversation I get to have. You know, just some outside the box thinking. You know, free flowing conversation, kind of bouncing all over the place. You guys really know your stuff, and it makes for a really, really fun time to talk ball.
0: No, I really appreciate that. And make sure you're following everything that Dave and Alfredo do. It's 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 incredible that you guys are putting out such good content so many times a week. And check out Dave's articles as well. Billy, you're dropping a dominator this week with Bradley. Let everybody know kind of what you guys are doing every Saturday. Yeah, every Saturday we do a lineup lockdown, we're calling
1: it. Uh, we, we always say it's going to be 30 minutes. It's never 30 minutes. It's always 45 to 50 minutes. Uh, we get everybody's questions answered. Uh, that get them in the chat. So get them in there early so we can kind of hammer through them. We're going to try to keep it at 30 minutes. This is the, every week I say this, but um, we don't want to leave you hanging. So we're going to get those questions answered for you, help you win your championship. Um, and that's
0: every Saturday, 6 p.m. My time, 9 o'clock Eastern. Love it. It's really, really good stuff. And uh, check out I debuted Dynasty Life. Uh, it's my Dynasty podcast. Um, that's going to be dropping about every week right here on Player Profiler. I had Ryan McDowell on, who's one of the best voices there there is uh, in Dynasty uh, fantasy. And then press coverage, I'm going to be back tomorrow at 1130 in the morning. I have Mike Shope and Adam Krautwurst of the deep end joining me. Buffalo Bills were really going to hit. There is no better voice in the country for the Buffalo no. Bills then Mike Shope, hands down. Uh, and we're going to hit on a number of these games that I didn't cover with Dave and Billy. Stick with us here at First Class Fantasy all year long. We got you covered for the fantasy playoffs. We got you covered for your trade deadlines. We're just going to get after it. And uh, everybody, let's enjoy this week of football. It's going to be a great one. This is gonna, might be the best week all season long. Thanks for joining us.